Hello, and welcome to another episode of Women's Retirement Radio. I'm your host, Russ Thornton, and today I'm really excited to be joined by both Paul Malley and Alexis Jacobs of the um, Aging with Dignity organization, um, and we're going to talk about a variety of things this morning, but uh, among, uh, among them, I really want to focus on um, their five wishes solution, which uh, I think is just great, and I've written about before on my blog. So uh, I'm really excited to have uh, have you with us, uh, Paul and Alexis. Thanks, Russ. It's uh, it's great to be with you and with your listeners yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's been a long time uh, organizing. <laughs> yeah. We. Uh, yeah. This. Uh, this did uh, take a little uh, logistical. Uh, ninjutsu to get it on the calendar, get everything lined up, but I'm, I'm happy to be uh, speaking with you guys today. So rather than me uh, attempting to and, and potentially not doing it justice, uh, why don't you guys tell us a little bit about um, who you are, uh, what you do, and, and why you do it? Sure, sounds good. So uh, Aging with Dignity is a private nonprofit organization. We're based in Florida, but we work nationwide and in fact internationally in, uh, in service to people and helping individuals and families plan for the type of care they'd want in case of a serious illness. Uh, as far as our roots go, our, our mission, our why behind our work is that our founder, Jim Tui, worked directly with Mother Teresa of Calcutta for over 12 years. He served as a volunteer in some of her homes for the dying in India and in Mexico and in Washington, DC. And he was also her legal counsel. And, uh, and I think the most important thing to know from that experience is that he saw in sitting by the bedside of those who were very sick, that there were some common threads that unite all of us, no matter where we are, uh, no matter if we're rich or poor or young or old, if we're living with a serious illness, we all want to be known, we want our dignity to be acknowledged and respected, and there are some simple ways to do that. It can be as simple as having somebody by your side, holding your hand, talking with you, using your name, those types of things. So we created the five wishes solution that you mentioned, the five wishes program that just makes it easy for all people, all adults, everybody 18 and over to put some practical guidance down in writing and talk about it with their family so that if a serious illness occurs, for either you or somebody you love or a close friend, you don't have to guess what they would want. Uh, and that's what has spread all over the country. Now we've had 40 million or so people who have used Five Wishes, uh, people of all ages. And we're just grateful for the impact that we've been able to, uh, to achieve, not by our own work, but because of individuals and families and organizations that have taken Five Wishes and brought it into their homes and used it and shared it with the people who they know. So that's fascinating about the history with Mother Teresa and the organization. How long has uh, Aging with Dignity and the Five Wishes program been around? So a little over 20 years. Uh, Five Wishes was introduced as a pilot project first in Florida in 1997, and we had generous funding from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation to launch Five Wishes and create it. And, uh, and to be honest with you, we didn't have a plan to make Five Wishes the most <laughs> widely used advanced directive in the country. That wasn't, that, that wasn't the thought in 1997. But 
we were we were quite frankly surprised by the response from families across America who wrote to us just because they heard about Five Wishes. They, they read about it in a newspaper story or they saw it on television. It was featured on the NBC Today show. And, uh, and, and so because we had families writing to us from all across the country, the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation asked us to create a national version of Five Wishes. And we were just really grateful to work with the American Bar Association's Commission on Law and Aging to look at the legal issues in all 50 states and, uh, and to now have a document, Five Wishes, that meets the legal requirements in, uh, in 42 states and is usable in, in all 50 states. So that's how, that's how we started, really was from an idea that we saw that Five Wishes could meet a need for families. And we thought if it could help a handful of families, that would be fantastic. And families responded kind of en masse by saying, this is exactly what we need send us five or 10 or 20 so that we can, we can all work through this together. Well, I don't know that there's a better testament to um, how effective and easy to use five, uh, that five wishes is uh, than, you know, word of mouth and, and obviously the kind of the, the grassroots spreading of the word uh, and, and, people becoming more and more aware of it. That's how I actually was introduced to Five Wishes uh, and your organization a couple of years ago. Um, I think I had read an article by another financial advisor that was talking about how they um, use it or introduce it to uh, virtually all their clients. So I think that's, I think that's fantastic. So um, rather, than, uh, rather than continuing to build the suspense, why don't we, uh, why don't we tell the listeners uh, exactly what Five Wishes is and uh, kind of what it's designed to help with? Sure. So it, it's basically an advanced directive. It's a legal document that meets the legal requirements in almost all states. It's a 12-page booklet. So when you receive it uh, from ordering it on fivewishes.org, you might either order a paper document or a digital document. And the first wish lets you name a person who you trust to make healthcare decisions for you. So you're naming a person who would be your voice if you're not able to speak for yourself. And that could be because you're recovering from a surgery or you were just in a car accident or you had a sudden illness. It's not only for somebody who is approaching the end of life. It's for anyone who for even a limited amount of time can't speak for themselves. It answers the question, who would speak for you? Then the second wish touches on the question of life support treatment, when you would want it, or not want it if you are approaching the end of life. And then the third, fourth, and fifth wishes are what really separate five wishes and I think strike at people's hearts because it talks about what would help you to feel comfortable. What would help you to feel like your human dignity is being acknowledged. It talks about physical comfort. You know, if you'd like to have people with you, if you'd like to be at home, if you'd want somebody holding your hand, if you'd want to be massaged and, and you know some people are all about the massages and they want to be massaged and other people say I'm ticklish I don't want anybody touching me <laughs> and you know those those <laughs> things they, they can sound like they're they're kind of hokey or they're simple or they're small but when somebody's caring for someone they love those things make all the difference in the world uh, so the form is it's easy it's simple to fill out there's some people that fill it out in 10 minutes and other people that give it a lot of thought and, uh, and, and really, you know, might write in the margins or attach pieces of paper to it. The idea behind it is that 
you are the person who knows you best and your family best and your close friends. So the magic isn't so much in five wishes. The magic is in what you bring to talking about it and to filling it out. Yeah, and I think that's a great yeah. point. Um, sorry, sorry, Alexis. I, I think I think it's a great point that you're really just providing kind of a a process or a, a, a structure with which to have you know either conversations or to think through these important decisions. Um, but but go ahead, Alexis. Oh, I was I was going to say that I, I think another strength and, and uniqueness of Five Wishes is the accessibility. Um, you know, it's, it's available in 29 different languages, and I believe we're working on a 30th right now, um, which is very unique for a medical document, very unique for a legal document, um, and it's written in everyday language. So, you know, there's not this barrier to, well, I don't have an advanced degree in, in you know, the medical field, but I can understand what's being asked of me. I can understand you know, how to answer this because it's not in legalese, it's not in jargon, and it's very simple for anyone to pick up and approach more um, simply and, and less, maybe less intimidation. Yeah, I, I think the, I think the plain English aspect of it is, um, is really important. Um, it, it dispenses with, as you said, the legalese, there, there are no heretofores and forthwiths and other <laughs> Other, you know, kind of uh, attorney language you would see in more traditional estate planning documents. Um, and I think, Paul, you referenced this, uh, referenced it earlier as an advanced directive tool, which um, I'm based in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, and, and Georgia has um, what is called or, or what they refer to as their uh, advanced directive for health healthcare. Um, but I think a lot, I think a more common, um, commonly recognized term is, is a living will. Um, and, um, and I think this is a great solution um, to, make, uh, to make that less intimidating, um, less overwhelming, and more, uh, more of an approachable, digestible um, service that you, to, your, to both your points, you can personalize and kind of make, make your own. To be clear, this does not, uh, this does not replace your, um, your will and last testament. It does not, you know, replace any other, like, power, um, you can, I guess, as you said, with the with the first of the five wishes, I guess you can essentially uh, designate the what would essentially be a, a power of attorney for healthcare. Is that accurate, Paul, or is that outside of the five wishes document? You're you're exactly right on um, on all the things that you just said. Wish not wish one is similar to the durable power of attorney for healthcare, and wish two is what's similar to most what's what's commonly referred to as the living will that asks the question about life support treatment. So you're right on. And this is uh, this is recognized as a legally binding document in not all 50 states, but certainly the majority of them. I believe it's recognized as a legal document here in the state of Georgia. Um, you don't need to list all of them, but um, is that that accurate? That in, in certainly the majority of the uh, U.S., it's recognized as a legal uh, legal document. That that is correct. Uh, so it meets the legal requirements now in 44 states, and uh, there are a handful. So just six states. States like Texas and Ohio and Oregon and Kansas and New Hampshire and Indiana that have specific form requirements. So what that means is that if you or you have a family member who lives in one of those states, uh, you can still use five wishes and then you'd want to ask your doctor or, uh, or attorney in that state for that state's form as well and then put the two things together. Got it. Got it. 
So since the work that I do and this podcast really kind of circles around women's retirement and, um, you know, concepts and ideas that relate to women as they're planning for uh, retirement or the next chapter of their lives, how, how do you guys think that five wishes might play uh, an important role for women as they're thinking about their, not just their financial future, but just their, their, the, the future of their lifestyle? Well, um, advanced care planning is, is specifically important for women. And I think in two major ways, one being we know um, generally women live longer than men, um, which means that women typically will be more likely to need um, long-term care, go into assisted living, um, et cetera. And so it's important for them to put their wishes in place so that if and when they can no longer speak for themselves um, or their spouse is not there to speak for them or, or partner or family members, um, their wishes are still known. Um, and that kind of goes into the second, second point, which would be that, you know, while women are more likely to need and receive long-term care, they're also more likely to provide it. Um, women tend to make up the majority of caregivers in the country, whether they're caring for a spouse, a friend, a family member, um, even, even children. Um, women are more likely to take up the role of informal caregiver, which makes it particularly important that the entire family um, has an advanced care plan in place just to help alleviate some of the um, stress and, you know, the, the burden of choosing um, that would fall on her shoulders if and when something were to happen. Um, and I mean, Paul and I were talking earlier anecdotally, um, you know, we, we receive calls all the time and it's usually the kind of the matriarch of the family who's calling in she's most likely to be the one to kind of prompt the rest of the group to engage in the conversation and you know whether that's just her family role or whether that's more culturally um, regular for for women to to feel less intimidated by conversations about death or planning ahead um, that does seem to be the case it, it, it's a, a uniquely kind of um, female caregiver role that I think gets taken on um, in those situations. So it's particularly important for women to plan ahead, you know, whether there's a, a barrier to financial resources, um, which I'm sure you deal with in, in your work as well, um, or if it's just being that matriarch, um, that's usually a role that's taken on by women more, more often than men. Yeah, I uh, thanks for that, Alexis. I couldn't agree more, and I've I've experienced that both personally in my family, um, and, and certainly among my clients who are either aging or uh, I'm working with adult children who are um, having to to now think about caring for their aging parents. Um, and yeah, yeah, that 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 role often falls um, either deliberately or not so deliberately to um, to the adult daughter. Um, and, mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, I, I often find them in that, in that caregiver role, at, at least in some regard. So I think to your point, it's smart to think through and, and have some structure around these potential decisions or, um, caregiving needs, you know, 
before you're kind of knee deep in it. Um, and so I, I think I think there's a real opportunity here to think of, think ahead, plan ahead, um, uh, especially around kind of the the questions and the conversations that can be spurred by each of the each of the five wishes. So so thank you for that. Um, Clearly, I think Paul, you said earlier that you you've there have been like 40 million um, people that are, that have purchased and/or used the Five Wishes program. So I've got to think that uh, among that number of people, you you guys have have had some some interesting stories and some 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 great successes. Could you could you share one of those with us? Sure. Yeah, you know, the, and and those are the things that really give us the the fuel and the passion for our work and the dedication that we have to be of service. Uh, and you know, you mentioned that uh, that five wishes doesn't take the place of, of the last will and testament, and that's true. And I want to echo that. Uh, but I think some of the motivations that people have are similar to the reason that they would contact an attorney and set up the last will and testament or work with a financial planner. Some of that is to make sure that what they want to happen happens, say with their property or with, uh, with custody of their children, if we're thinking about those who are younger in a last will and testament and financial planning. But also I think many people are motivated just as much to make sure that they avoid what they don't want. And for families, oftentimes that happens and we hear from them because of uh, a story that went badly, a, a, a family caregiving example that, uh, that, that did not happen the way that the family would have wanted. And too often that means that sometimes siblings are left to guess what their mom or dad would want. And we've heard way too many stories of brothers and sisters who don't speak to one another again after their parent died because there was disagreement. And, uh, and as a father myself, that idea would just break my heart. Uh, so one example that I would share with you is uh, an, an example of a woman who came to me after I spoke at an event up in New England. And she said that that day that we were speaking, it marked the year anniversary of her husband's death. And they were in their mid-60s. And as she told me, her, her husband had a sudden stroke at home. And he was in the hospital for the last 20 something days of his life, a little over three weeks. And she said, because he had filled out his five wishes, she remembered after day two, after she had spent the night in the chair next to him in the hospital, uh, that he had written in his five wishes that he wanted to have pictures of his grandkids in the room with him. So she said, after two days of sitting at his bedside and not knowing what to do, I remembered five wishes, I remembered the pictures of the grandkids and I was able to go home and get those pictures and bring them into the hospital and put them up on the bedstand next to him and know that I was doing something that he cared enough about to ask for it. And that's something that we hear from caregivers so often is that we all wanna do right by the people we love, whether it's a spouse or a parent, but when we're in the position of caregiving, we've never done this before, so we don't know what to do. And Five Wishes turns out to be basically an instruction book for what good care means for you or for the person that you love. And the last part of their, this family's story was that after a few weeks went on and it was clear that her husband was not going to recover, they made a decision to remove life support treatment. And at that time, their children 
flew into town. They had, you know, their children were scattered in different parts of the country. And one of her sons has, had been estranged from the family for many, many years. And he flew into town and uh, he went to the nurse's station and he objected to the decision that his mom had made for his dad and said, that's not what I want to do. I want you to continue to offer the life support treatment. That's what we need to do. And it wasn't until the mother brought out the five wishes and thinking back to Alexis's remarks about so often it's the matriarch who takes the lead in both the conversation and in this case, the implementation. And she showed this document to her son and her son looked at it. And the thing that drove the point home to him was on the last page, he saw his dad's signature. And he got to that last page and he stopped and he just looked at his dad's signature. And he said, it looks like dad already made this decision for us. So let's do what dad wanted. And right then in that instance, that was a family disagreement that could have resulted in chaos, an ethics committee consult or even a legal proceeding. And it was avoided because this family, this couple took the action years before to have a simple conversation and put their wishes down in writing. Uh, and it wasn't just a medical or a legal issue, but in this case, it made all the difference for their family. That's an example of what five wishes can do. Wow. And I, I can only imagine that's one of probably dozens, if not hundreds of, of great stories where five wishes has really helped make a difficult situation a little less difficult for all people involved. That's right. Is it, I'm, something just came to mind. So it, let's, let's say someone uh, completes the five wishes uh, and let's say they're in their 60s, uh, for example. Does it make sense for, you know, maybe every couple of years to review it again? Does, do, do you, have you found that, that people's um, wishes change over time depending on, you know, uh, changes in life circumstances or family matters or whatever the case may be? Or do you, have you found that it's, 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 a, it's usually a pretty evergreen document once they complete it the first time? People's wishes do change, absolutely. So we do encourage you to go back and look at any advanced directive that you've completed. If you're listening to this and, uh, and you think that you've placed a check mark in that box on your to-do list because you filled out an advanced directive, you, maybe even with a, a, an attorney five or 10 years ago, I would suggest that you go back and look at it and make sure that it matches what your preferences would be today. Because you're exactly right, Russ, when people do that, they often call us and say, I, I looked at that form that I thought I had in my file or I did have in my file and, uh, and it doesn't represent what I would want today. And because there's no expiration date on it, the document doesn't expire. Uh, but if, if, you, if your family or doctors are called on to look at your advanced directive and make decisions based on it, you can imagine that a document that is 10 years old might have some more questions tied to it. They might ask themselves, well, is this what dad wanted today, even though he filled this out 10 years ago? So definitely good to update it, especially if it's been many years. And then in addition to just regularly looking at it every few years, you would want to update it if you have any change in life circumstance. If there's been a death in the family, particularly if it's anyone who you named and wish one as your healthcare agent, if you've had a change in your marital status, either married or divorced or a spouse died, if you've had a change in your own health condition or a new diagnosis, 
that would be a time to update your document. So, uh, so it doesn't expire. It's something that you want to keep current because once it's in your medical chart, hopefully uh, it will be looked at in a time that you might be experiencing a serious illness and especially if a decision has to be made. Um, and speaking of medical chart, is this is Five Wishes a document that you would suggest people share with their um, primary care doctor or their other uh, medical support uh, team, or is it just uh, is, is it more typically just presented at the time of need by uh, a spouse or other family member? Yeah, you you want to fill it out and then don't keep it a secret. Once you've signed it, dated it, and have, and have it witnessed by two people, and all those instructions are included in Five Wishes, it tells you exactly what to do and what order to do it and, and who can be a witness and who can't, then you'd want to make copies of it and give a copy to your family. Give a copy to the person who you've named as your healthcare agent in wish number one. Give a copy to all your adult kids, to your spouse, to uh, your siblings, if they would be involved in care decisions. And then yes, the next time you go to your doctor, bring a copy of your five wishes to your doctor, ask to talk about it, and ask that it be included in your medical record. Today, that would likely be an electronic medical record. So, uh, so it's, it's absolutely in your power to ask that that happen when you visit your doctor, whether it's an in-person visit or today, a lot of doctor's visits are happening by telehealth. So this is something that you can talk to your doctor or your nurse practitioner or whoever you're consulting with on the healthcare side, even from telehealth, talk with them about it and either give them a copy if you're in person or send a scanned copy of your five wishes to your healthcare provider and ask that it be included in your medical chart. Got it. And Thanks I would I would add, oh, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, Alexis. Um, I would add that you should also maybe share it with your attorney, you know, um, if you do have an estate plan or a financial advisor, um, just the, the more people who are involved with your, your care and, and your um, estate plan who have access to it, the more likely it is that, you know, it'll be accessible if and when something happens. Um, and we know of people who also share it with their faith leader, you know, if, if there's specific, um, things that you would want your faith to be involved in. Um, so basically anyone who is involved or that you would like to be involved, I think is important to share um, with them. That's, yeah, that's, that's great. And, and I, yeah, I wouldn't have thought about faith church coming into it, but obviously that's super important for a lot of people. And, and that's, uh, I think that's a, a great, uh, a great consideration. So, so thanks for that. Um, what, clearly you guys have been doing this for a long time um, with a lot of people. What surprised you most about your work with five wishes and, and uh, its ability to help people? Hmm. Good uh, question. Yeah. Um, go, go ahead, Alexis. You can talk about your surprise first. Yeah. I guess uh, as being a little bit newer, a little bit greener than, than Paul, maybe it's a little fresher for me. Um, I, w I would say the universality of it, um, you know, my, my specific role here is, you know, program development and working with partners to develop new solutions. And I specifically work primarily with our non-healthcare accounts, um, which means I work with financial advisors like you and um, attorneys, HR departments, um, faith-based organizations, nonprofits, et cetera. And it is used 
throughout every industry um, in, in various ways. And, and it's amazing to me that um, no matter who I'm talking to, you know, what hat I'm wearing on a particular day, it's the same kind of conversation that you have. It's the same things that, that strike them. It's the same reason that they're calling in or they're interested is universal truths um, of, of dignity and um, having a voice and, and maintaining, you know, some independence and, and providing this, you know, definitive act of love to your family, friends, support group. Um, so really just the, the, the breadth that we can, of, of support that we can provide, I, I think is really surprising. You know, you would think it would live primarily in healthcare or be primarily interesting to people of a certain age or health status, but it's, it's so broad. And I, you know, I get to do different things every single day, which is a, a real blessing. So that's been the most surprising to me. How about you, Paul? Yeah, I think it's I think it's similar in that uh, I've seen over these past 20 years that I've been working with Aging with Dignity, that our work just simply touches everyone's humanity. And there are no boundaries there. Uh, it's not for people that are just of a certain age. Uh, and I remember clearly one week that we had requests come to us from a, 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 an employer group that wanted to provide five wishes to those who worked as, at their organization. There were two different organizations that did that. One was a barbecue restaurant in Oklahoma that wanted five wishes for all their ser servers and their staff at their barbecue restaurant. And the other one was MTV headquarters in New York wanted to provide five wishes to all of its employees and, and, and allow them to give five wishes to their family members and their parents and their grandparents. Uh, so I thought that was really cool and just the diversity of it was amazing. And, uh, and I think the breadth of people that were able to serve at Aging with Dignity through the Five Wishes program, uh, there are no boundaries. So we're grateful to be of service to families and we're especially grateful for, uh, you know, quite frankly, for people like you, Russ, who pick up the word and spread it, who fold it into the the services that they provide, that you provide as a financial advisor, as a trusted advisor, as an expert, uh, Five Wishes is good, prudent planning that makes sense for everybody. Well, I, I, I appreciate that. Um, and and that, that's interesting to hear both of your perspectives on the universality uh, uh, of, of Five Wishes and its application and helpfulness. Um, but also just a couple of examples that you gave Paul of that, of such a broad spectrum of needs and use cases. So, um, so thank you both for that is it, it cl clearly in my mind, it, it seems like this would, uh, that five wishes would be uh, really um, something to consider as people get into their fifties, sixties and older. Is there, in, in your opinions, is there, um, is there, a too young age? I mean, is, is it, does it make, can you think of a situation where it, it would not make sense for someone to uh, think about and complete uh, five wishes? And the reason I ask is like, I, I often think about as children become adults and they reach the age of majority, um, I think a lot of parents perhaps mistakenly think that in the event of a car accident or whatever, that they can just automatically step in and speak for their children. And that's 
my understanding is that's not necessarily always the case. So could you speak a little bit about um, not just the types of people, but maybe the, um, the different ages where five wishes might play uh, an important role? Sure. And, and the simple answer there is that no age is too young. Uh, five wishes is intended for all adults. So every, everybody 18 and over. And we even have additional resources for younger children, a document called My Wishes for Young Children, and then Voicing My Choices for Adolescents and Young Adults, most, mostly aimed at those younger people who are living with serious illness and planning for their care based on their current serious illness diagnosis. Uh, but Russ, you're right. The, uh, the question comes into play for even our young children. My, my son is now 18 years old, my oldest son. And um, that's, that's the time that he should be filling out five wishes. Uh, and we hear that in college campuses often. We, whether it's in person or virtually, are often guest speakers at, in college classes. Sometimes it's in their school of business, sometimes it's in humanities or religion or healthcare, their medical department uh, or nursing school. And oftentimes they come to us and say, well, this sounds like it would be a great idea for my parents. <laughs> and we say, yes, it would be good for your parents and your grandparents. And the best way to bring it home to your family is to fill it out for yourself first. Uh, because young people do have especially the vulnerability to uh, either a sudden onset of a serious illness or an accident. And when we think even from a legal perspective, the big landmark cases that have happened in the United States regarding end-of-life decisions. I'm thinking of Terry Schiavo, Karen Ann Quinlan, Nancy Cruzan. All of those cases involved women in their 20s who had not given any instruction about what they would have wanted. Uh, so I think that, that just shows the point that this is something that should be talked about by people of all ages. And the best way to do it is to gather the whole family together and have a conversation that includes grandparents, parents, and even adult grandchildren. Got it. Yeah, I, I yeah, I think those are all great points. So um, ho hopefully, those of you out there listening will will take that to heart and and seriously consider you know looking into five wishes for your own personal situation as well as that of your family and friends. Um, so. Paul and Alexis, I get the feeling we could probably talk for hours about this. I love, <laughs> I love hearing the the stories and the reach and the impact that uh, that you and Five Wishes and your organization um, have had and continue to have. Um, but in the interest of time, um, I want to ask another question, and then we can kind of start to wrap things up, if that's okay with you guys. Um, if if there were one thing that women who are thinking about or preparing for retirement could take away from our conversation today, what would, what would you want that one thing to be? Well, I, I would, um, I would say that to give themselves the gift of peace of mind by doing these, these um, kind of pre-planning steps and, and putting a plan of care in place for, for themselves providing that to their, their loved ones, their support team, and making sure that, you know, if and when something were to happen to them or to their loved ones, you know, they, they're not going to be the ones, you know, burdened with making a choice that they don't know, you know, the, you know, you don't know the answer to. Um, so give themselves the gift 
and gives a gift of peace of mind to, to everyone that they care for. Um, I think it's important and to take that and, and consider it a, a gift to themselves. Um, Anything you would add to that, Paul? I think that's a perfect one thing. That's the, that's the right thing to do. I, well, I agree. And, and it brings to mind something I often say, which is, um, you know, whenever we take a commercial flight, they always tell you to put the oxygen mask on yourself first before you can help others. And I, I find that many women um, just naturally assume that caregiving role, sometimes at, sometimes at their own personal expense, whether that's health or financially related. So mm -hmm. I, I, think it's, I think it's a great suggestion, Alexis, that um, they, they use a tool like Five Wishes for themselves to create some peace of mind and some comfort and, and to address these things before, um, before a, a potentially you know, long-term care or end-of-life uh, situation uh, is is staring them in the face. So so thank you thank you both for that. Um, as we wrap up, Alexis and, and Paul, what's what's the best way for people to learn more or to get in touch or to get their own copy of of Five Wishes? Sure. So the the simplest way is on our online on our website. It's fivewishes.org. It's five spelled out fivewishes.org. And uh, there, I'd suggest you do two things. The first thing is click on the, um, the option for individuals and families. And there you can see what types of five wishes are available for you and your family. Uh, you might even think about getting 25 or more to be able to share with all of your extended family. There are some additional things like discussion guides that will help uh, just set the stage for how to talk with your family about five wishes. And all of these things are, are easy to use and, uh, and because we're a nonprofit organization, our focus is on our, on our mission to help you and your family. So the cost is very low. I mean, we're talking about $5 or if you get 25 or more five wishes, they're a dollar per document. So we wanna make it easy for you, not just to help yourself. And as you said, that's the perfect thing to do first, fill out five wishes for yourself, but then share it with your family. And then while you're on the website, uh, click on some of the other options about how to use five wishes in the workplace for employers uh, and in faith-based communities and churches and community organizations. Because uh, the way that five wishes is able to touch so many lives is from people who are motivated and inspired and have the passion behind it to share it with other people. So that's what we hope you'll do is use five wishes for yourself and your family and then think about who else in your circle, in your community, the people who you work with, the people that you see every day that you might be able to share it with. Yeah, and I, I can only echo Paul's comments. Uh, definitely go to the website, fivewishes.org, um, navigate around it. It's very uh, easy to navigate and intuitive. Um, if, if anyone listening to this wants to reach out to me, um, this is Russ. Uh, feel, feel welcome to reach out to me if I can, you know, help uh, facilitate any of these conversations or discussions or add anything to uh, to the process. I'm happy to help. But again, it's it's very plain English, easy to use, um, easy to follow. Uh, I would I would say the the best step is just to reach out to Five Wishes uh, Five Wishes directly and, and get yourself a copy and, and start working on it. So uh, with that, um, before we wrap up today's episode. Um, Alexis, Paul, any final thoughts, anything you would uh, would add to, uh, to our conversation today? 
Well, I, I would add my thanks to you, Russ, uh, for, for giving attention to this topic. Uh, it, I think it, it fits well with all of, all of the information and education that you provide to your listeners, but sometimes it's too often it just kind of falls through the cracks uh, and it seems like it's so far off and, uh, and it doesn't get the attention that it deserves. So, uh, so thank you for giving attention to this important matter and for the service that you provide through the information and the education that you share. Yeah, I, I mean, they, yes, I echo Paul. Thank you so much for, for reaching out to us and, and for your patience as we worked through a couple of logistic um, hurdles. Uh, I would just encourage anyone listening to, to not be intimidated. Advanced care planning is, is not as scary as it may seem. And, you know, we're, we're here to support you. So um, reach out. Well, thank you both. Um, I appreciate your time and uh, willingness to share, um, you know, more about who you are and, and what you're doing as both an organization with a, with a solution and a program like Five Wishes. Uh, when I uh, publish this episode, I'll be sure to include links to the Five Wishes website and other resources. Um, and uh, as always, if anyone has any questions or uh, needs uh, help connecting with Five Wishes or Paul or Alexis, please feel well, uh, welcome to reach out to me directly, and I'm happy to help facilitate that in any way I can. Uh, with that, thanks again for listening to this episode of Women's Retirement Radio, and until next time, take care. Hey, before you go, it's Russ again with some important disclosure information for you. You should consult a financial advisor familiar with the specific circumstances of your unique financial situation before making any financial decisions. Nothing in this broadcast constitutes a solicitation for the sale or purchase of any securities. Any mentioned rates of return are historical or hypothetical in nature and are not a guarantee of future returns. I'm a financial advisor, a certified divorce financial analyst, and an investment advisor representative of Wealthcare Capital Management, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor based in Richmond, Virginia. The views discussed in this podcast are my own and may not be consistent with or re represent those of Wealthcare Capital Management.